my turn. Everybody good? Next wave. Next wave. Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, one thing that Becky was bringing up, singing, talking about Revelation, the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, actually. Most people, when they read Revelation, they get so focused on all the end-time events. You know, I would say 99.9% of the teachings and books on Revelation are about that. But actually, if you look at Revelation, there is a powerful view of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ that's being revealed all through it. It's not just end-time stuff, you know, the mark of the beast and the wrath of God being poured out and the plagues and all that stuff's in there. But right in the middle of that is some very interesting pictures of the spiritual realm that God has given us to help us understand the spiritual realm. Like, for instance, I was reading in Revelation 15 this morning, verse 1, it talks about, uh, you know, John saw these, these angels, and he said uh, these were very marvelous and wonderful angels, and they did a very marvelous and wonderful thing. And then it says he poured out the last seven plagues of the wrath of God into the earth. I'm thinking, how could that be wonderful? <laughs> you know, the last, I mean, the last ones of God's wrath. But I really feel like it, he was talking about the nature of God, how God would just wanted to get that over with. You know, the wrath thing. It was like, that's why that was such a wonderful thing because God is such a God of love and mercy. And Him, you know, wrath is definitely an aspect of God's nature, but not towards us. Amen? Amen. And God would rather spend His time loving us and revealing Himself to us than pouring out His wrath on earth, on the earth, I really believe. And that's just, and there's so much stuff like that in Revelation. And like that song had those um, things of how God looked wrapped in a rainbow or something. Those are powerful pictures of the spiritual realm. Uh, you know, another thing that's interesting, you know, because I've been reading Revelation, the Lord's been speaking to me. Did you know that thunder speaks? Yeah. That's what it says in the Bible, that thunder speaks. I mean, it says some crazy stuff. I'm thinking, thunder speaks? Duh. I didn't know thunder had a voice. I thought it was just a noise, a natural phenomena. But in heaven, it's a whole different perspective. It really is. And God really wants to release the heavenly realm into the earth now where people can actually hear God speaking through such natural things we think as natural thunder. Actually, it may be God talking. And God wants to teach us how to hear His voice. So that's just really wonderful. And it really is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. That's the last thing that God's going to do on the earth before the end comes. Is Christ is going to be revealed. And that's to me, is what the next wave of revival really is all about. The ultimate end time revival will be a revelation of Jesus Christ. See, we, we, have, a re, we have some revelation of Christ. Some, we think. <laughs> a little bit. And we, have, we know him as Savior. You know, and we know him somewhat maybe as Lord, but we don't really know him the way the Bible describes him. We really don't. Read Revelation and all the things it describes about Christ, and you'll say, do I know this person? Oh, Lord, reveal that person. Amen? Isn't that wonderful, though, that Lord really, that's what he wants to do in this hour, is reveal to Jesus Christ more to us? Well, let me read uh, John 14, 7 through 9. This is good. This is what Jesus said. If you had known me, you, had, you would have known my Father also. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. That's, from now on, you know him and have seen him. That's, 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 from now on, you know him and have seen him. Talking about the Father. Okay? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. 
and it is enough for us. And that's really, um, you know, really key here, what the Lord's trying to say in these verses. Okay, Lord, show us the Father. That's enough. That's what Philip was saying. Philip, the, the uh, apostle Philip, the one of the twelve. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Now, he's not talking about knowing him as Jesus Christ. He's talking about knowing him as, as God the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, wow. I'm thinking, Lord, this is pr- profound. You know, about a year ago, the Lord really began to give me revelation out of John 14. You know, John 14 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. The Father's house. That's where I came up with that whole... Uh, uh, name for our ministry called the Father's House was John 14, and the Lord began to speak to me. So I got this great idea one day. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach through the whole book. And I, <laughs> not so fast, buddy. <laughs> you can only really teach what you have revelation on. But the Lord began to really speak to me recently about a greater revelation of Christ Himself, and this is what He led me to. And one of the reasons that Jesus came to the earth was to reveal the Father. Okay, one of the reasons Jesus came to the earth was to reveal God the Father. Let me read Hebrews 1, 3. Put that up there. It, this is what it's talking about, Jesus. He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. The exact representation of His nature. And upholds all things by the word of His Spirit. Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. In other words, that's what Jesus was saying. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You've seen who the Father is. You've seen what the Father likes. You see how the Father Father responds. Um, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I don't have that one up there. It says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God in the face of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So really what the Lord has been doing in the earth realm, okay, for several years now, is there's been a, a move of the Holy Spirit, uh, that, and the emphasis of the Holy Spirit's move has been to reveal the Father. Okay, that God has been trying to reveal to mankind the Father heart of God. That's what He's been doing in the earth realm for years now. And, you know, at different times it, grow, you know, it gets intense in different places at different times. But God, you know, really wants us to know the Father. He's just really releasing that anointing. And, you know, it's the thing that Jesus said in John fourteen eighteen, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And we've talked a lot about that orphan spirit in our church in the last, over the last year or so. Is, is that's the thing that happens when the Father comes. The revelation of the Father is God begins to deal with the effects of the orphan spirit that every person who's born on this earth carries. Okay, in our, in our natural man, we carry the effects of an orphan spirit. And, you know, feeling rejected, feeling isolated, loneliness. People suffer, great Christian people suffer loneliness. Great Christian people feel like they're on the outside looking in. And it's, and it's the effects in their lives, the hurt in their life, the pain in their life of, of, of an orphan spirit that operates on all of us. It's really the, the, the root spirit for um, the spirit of poverty. 
That's how it operates in a person's life. Uh, because mo- if you can, you can study orphans in the natural realm, and you can gather and gleam a lot about spiritual orphans and how, that, how it affects us. And, and so you see, when the, Father, when, the, when the revelation of the Father begins to get released into the earth realm, God goes after that spirit. I mean, He confronts that spirit that's operating in our life. He confronts the effects of that spirit in us. And really, and tries to address those things in our life, and try to you know get that those patterns, those flesh patterns, those thought patterns, those strongholds of the orphan spirit. He goes after them, and it's called the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit does that to to try to draw us into the family of God, try to get us to see in our experience what's true in the spiritual realm that we belong to a family. And we have a father in this family who's very approachable, very accessible, and is, and is very touching and loving. You know, a good father is right there with his kids. He's, he's, he touches them. He loves them. They have access to them. He's not too busy for them. Okay, fathers are busy. They have things to do. But the children have access to the father always. Okay? Uh, but, that's, but the orphan spirit will tell you you don't. And, you'll, and when you believe the, those lies, you begin to get this disconnect. And when you get a disconnect with the father, you wind up getting disconnect with his other children. So we see that's what happens in the, in the church lots of times. There's a disconnect between people. Okay? And we try to solve it down there on the, on the, on the level between people where really the real issue is somebody's got some issues with him up there. Okay, and if we could solve that problem with, them, with between their, their issue with him there, they can solve the issue with them here. And so, you know, the experience—the truth is, the experience is in doing lots of ministry to people uh, about it. A lot of people have father, natural father issues in their life. You know, where their natural dad didn't work out so good for them. You know, didn't do well with them, and and so it affects how we see God the Father. It affects our whole life. And God has to come in. He wants to, to rip all that out of us, take it away from us, and patch us up, heal us up, deliver us from evil, set us free, uh, and, and set us free where we know, hey, I'm, I'm daddy's son. I don't care what y'all say about me. I'm still, the Father loves me. I'm secure in that. You could hate me. You know, you could push me away, but I'm happy because the Father loves me. I'm secure in His love, and He's going to talk to me and help me. Amen? And so that's really what the Lord's been doing in the earth is, is that, um, and He will continue to do that because there's a world full of orphans out there, both nat- naturally and spiritually. And God's got a real concern about both, both of them. He's got a concern about the natural orphans, the little children that don't have family, that He wants to bring them into family. And He's also got a big concern about us who are believers that don't feel part of His family. He wants to draw us in. Let's read in John 14, verse 10 through 13. Uh, this is continuing on what Jesus was saying. I'll tell you, John 14, 15, and 16 are very important uh, chapters in the Bible amongst all the other important chapters. But these are chapters that God's breath is on right now. 14, 15, and 16. Because they reveal to us how God... is some of the greatest revelation about God the Father, about a, a relationship with Him, and about a relationship with the Holy Spirit and what it does for us. And if you can really get into those chapters, God will really reveal Himself to you. 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does His work. Now, we in John 15, everybody talks about abiding in Christ, right? That's a great teaching. And how many people are technicians in this room? And what I mean by a technician is if somebody says abide in Christ, immediately we want to know how to do that, right? How do you abide in Christ? Give me some technical information so I can practically do this. And, and we have practically wore that thing, made it so much like a technical manual that we miss the essence of it because it's simply relationships, staying connected in relationship. And, you know, I can't have a technical manual on how to, how to have a relationship with Becky always. There's some basic things I need to know as a husband that she needs. But if I try to make my relationship her uh, a list of things, you think she's going to be happy? I promise you she's not. It's easier to make it a list of things. Well, if I just be nice to her at certain times, she'll be okay, and then she'll leave me alone the rest of the time. But girls ain't like that. They're not predictable. And so God wants us to have a real relationship. That's what abide, abiding is all about, is relationship. It's not about anything. It's about just staying connected with this person in a real relationship. And when we do that, things happen in our life. And that's really what Jesus was, was saying here. He was saying, the Father is abiding in me. And He's doing these works. Okay? He's doing these things. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works. Everybody say works works themselves because so you see out of this relationship something's going to happen uh, Chris said it well a while ago leaking okay did you get what he said he said God was leaking out of me talking to this woman on the phone and she got healed that's what we're talking about that's what God that's what Jesus was talking about he was not saying he wasn't trying to drum up stuff and come up with something he was just he had a relationship with the father and he was saying well listen if you don't believe what I'm saying just believe what's happening around me and the reason it's happening around me because the father's coming out of me he's, he's, he's leaking out of me and touching people's lives and that's really what the Lord wants to do right now see that's where God takes a people he reveals the Father to us. We have this father-son, father-daughter relationship. And the next thing you know, the Father's doing works through us. That's, that's the, the, the outcome of it. That's where it, it takes us to. That's where God's trying to take us right now. He's trying to take us to the very thing Chris did. A telephone call and a woman gets healed. Because the Father was at work in him, flowing through him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? It's not about having some gift of healing. That's a good thing. I mean, I want a gift of healing. But what I want is a gift of relationship, a gift of life that flows through me. And when it flows through me, I'm not trying to drum up stuff. I'm just letting it flow. And it's going to happen. It has to happen. I think it does. I think that's what happened in Jesus' life. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, listen now, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's what Jesus said. If you really believe in me, if you believe that I am who I say I am and you receive me and have this connection with me, a living belief, a living relationship, you're going to do what I did. That's what Jesus said. In fact, you're going to do greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. In other words, I'm going to leave it to you. I'm leaving this thing to you. So you see, the Holy Spirit comes in the earth realm, pours out His Spirit on people, touches people, goes after the orphan spirit. I mean, just fight you tooth and nail over this rejection you feel. You know? 
Most people, really, their real issues are they feel rejected about something. Or they feel disconnected and they feel left out. They don't, and they get messed up in it. And their real problem is not everything outside. The real problem is something inside of them. Something's inside telling them a lie. And they're believing that lie and they're acting out that lie. So, um, what the Lord wants us to do, He wants to bring us into a greater revelation of the Father. And as we're brought into a greater revelation of the Father, hit the Father's works that the Father is very interested in doing in the earth still. Okay, still, He's very interested in doing these things in the earth realm. Very much interested. God's still interested in, in doing things. Here's the key. God, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he, the Bible has given us a picture in words of what the Father's like called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now think about it a minute. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a picture in words, four books called the Gospels that describe what the Father looks like, what the Father does, what the Father says. Now that's the truth. And what we have to realize is, is God has given us a picture of what He does in the earth. So we have a reference point as Christians. We have a foundation as Christians to look at that and find out what He's like. And, oh, well, that's what the Father does. That's what He's interested in doing. I'm going to be interested in doing that. That's what we do. That's what, you, that's what repentance really is. Remember, it's changing your mind. It's... This is what the Father does. Okay, well, and I was interested in doing this other thing, but He's not interested in doing the other thing. He's interested in doing these things. And you can find those things in the Gospels, in Jesus' life. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. And those works will be manifested in our life. All right, now let's read John five seventeen through 21. Now this is, everybody knows this, this is a wonderful Scripture. Um, you know, Jesus was getting fussed at about some stuff. He was getting fussed out about doing what the Father does. Now listen, people are going to fuss at you about doing what the Father does. You might as well go ahead and accept that. If we're really going to do the Father's work, you're going to get fussed at. I mean, that's just the way it is. People don't like what the Father does. So you're going to get fussed at. But Jesus answered them and said, My Father is working unto now, and I myself am working. Everybody say working. God's calling His people to work. He ain't called us just to come to church. Now, this is, we've got to get over this church thing. Coming to church, sitting here, arms folded, miserable, unhappy, bored, and sick, and tired. That's not Christianity of the Bible. The Christianity of the Bible is a working Christianity. I've called you to do something. I'm working. The Father's at work. Are you working? Are you just sitting around bored? You know, that's what we have to ask ourselves. Uh, for this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Now, they went from being mad at him to wanting to kill him. You know, that's a bad day, man. Think about it. They literally wanted to kill him, and ultimately they did kill him. Now, that's how powerful religious spirit is. It will kill people. There's a lot of people who have died over the history of, of, of the earth over, over this. A lot of martyrs. Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, oh, terrible, but was also calling God his own father. Oh, that's just terrible. Jesus was calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. So he just went downhill from there. He broke the Sabbath. He called God his father, and he was saying, I'm, I'm, me and God are one, you know. So they want to kill him over that. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son 
can do nothing of himself. Now, this is Jesus Christ saying this. I can't do anything of myself. Arthur Burt had a great saying on his little cards. This is what he said. All Jesus did, Jesus never did. All Jesus did, Jesus never did. It was the Father working in him. Okay, now that's a true statement. It's right here. The Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees. Everybody say sees. The Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Now that's the key right there. Jesus gave us the ultimate key for working in the kingdom, for doing what God is seeing. Everybody say seeing. seeing. How, who, who in here needs to see this morning? We need to see something, okay? Now this is the this is the the key is to see. And for whatever Father does, these things the Son also does. Like for the Father, everybody say loves the Son. Now you see what I was just talking to you about a while ago. We've got to come to a revelation that we have a Father who loves us and we can have a relationship with. It's, Jesus had that revelation. He knew He was the Father's Son. He was happy with His relationship. He didn't give a rip. People were threatening to kill Him and all that. He was secure in His Father's love. The first time somebody comes in here and challenges you about what you're doing, all of a sudden you're questioning what you're doing instead of being secure in the Father's love. Right. Jesus was so secure, He said, in fact, the Father is going to show me what He's going to do. Because at the heart of God the Father is this desire to do something for human beings, to be involved in our lives. That's His heart. He has that deep desire in Him, and He releases this spirit of adoption on us, this love relationship, and we found out, oh, yeah, God loves me. I can trust these little things I get being Him, the Father, because He wants to show me these things. Are you hearing me? Okay? Uh, And the... For the Father loves it and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. So that's what we have to realize. If we're going to have this, God wants to come and touch you. I don't know where you're at this morning on a personal level with this whole thing about what the Holy Spirit's been trying to do. You may have rejected it. I'm sorry if you did. You can unreject it right quick. Just repent. That's what you unreject but you can receive something from Him. You can receive that thing where He says, Oh, you're my child. I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to break all this insecurity off of you, all this self-centeredness and self, all this, this stuff. And in, 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 in your experience, to walk in a freedom, a real freedom, where you're secure in me. You're secure in my love. You're secure in your, your being my child, me and my daughter, being my son. That's what the Lord's been doing. I mean, He does it in crazy ways, I will admit. He's got some strangeness about Him, you know, but that's okay. I'm good with God's strange, strangeness. If that's what He wants to do, I'm good with it. I'm happy with it. But then, once that thing is established in you, guess what? He's saying, great! Now, i got some things to show you. Because there's a lot of people out there who need to know what you know. And they may not come into the church realm. It may be the only chance you're going to get to talk to that person's at work or at the grocery store or at the gas station or whenever, wherever. So, you know, I need to get you into this mode of thinking where you're seeing what I'm doing in people's lives so you can begin to communicate them my heart to them. 
That's why I've been telling people all the time about, you know, it's going out and witnessing people, seeing people healed. Number one is make sure they're loved. If, that's, if they're just loved by, and they know they were loved by God, we've won. We did everything we're supposed to do, whether they get healed or if God's love will do something. But right, i got five minutes. Now I want to make this, I want to switch gears and ask you a question. What do you see? What do you see? Okay, now let me ask you in a little bit. What do you see for your life? Okay, now that's really important. We ask ourselves, what do I see for my life? Okay, now we can ask that on lots of different levels. You can ask about family. You can ask about your job. You can, but I'm asking you about spiritually. What do you see for your life? This is really the question that has to be answered. Okay? Because we can answer it spiritually, we can answer it for our family. We can answer it for our job. We can answer, answer our future by asking ourselves a question, what do you see? And see, uh, let me put Revelations 29:18 up there. It says, where there is no vision, the people are restrained or the people perish. Um, so this vision or revelation is really important to us as Christians. Being able to see something is important. You've got to be able to see something beyond what everybody else is seeing. You've got to be able to see something for your life. You should be seeing things for your life. Okay? If you're not, you're in trouble. Let me just say that. This is what happened to me. I wanted to share this testimony of what happened to me a few months ago. Is I had this encounter, this ongoing battle with these demons. I know I don't care what you believe about demons, but they're real. And demons are stupid and mean. Okay? That's the truth about them. They're mean. Some of them are, are you know, they're not, you don't feel no, no mess with them. But these demons were a little bit more clever than normal demons that I've ever dealt with because it was, it was like I was in this boxing match with this guy. He knew when I was going to throw a right punch. He was waiting on me. Everything I would do is like they were countering me. They knew every move I was going to make. It's like they had information on me. It's like they had studied my life and knew what I would do in a situation. And it was just wearing me out. I was just getting beat to death by it because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't overcome. I couldn't, nothing worked that should have worked. Okay? Finally, this strategic moment came when these demons visited me. I mean, they made a huge mistake when they showed up at my house. That's when I found out they weren't just one. I figured out why they were so hard to deal with. There were three of them. Okay, and they showed up at my house and visited me one night. It was a rough night. It was a bad night. It's not the kind of visitation I want. It's the devil's to show up at my house. But the Lord led them because the Lord was trying to, you know, get me out of that mess. He was trying to show me what was happening uh, and show me also how to deal with those demons. And, and... So he showed me, he showed me what they were doing, showed me, you know, showed me how to deal with the situation because, because they revealed themselves to me. So once I did that, it was, I was good. I got the situation got dealt with. I didn't have no more battle there. And so I was asking the Lord about, this, about these demons recently. You know, once you get out of the emotions and, and, and get worn down by something, you ask the Lord and you get a perspective. And I said, Lord, tell me more about those demons. And this is what he said to me. Those de- I said, those demons were trying to kill me, weren't they? He said, no, those demons, they couldn't touch you, Byron. They were not going to be able to touch you. Because you're the apple of my eye, the Bible says. They ain't touching my eye. That literally means the pupil. So he said, they can't. But he said, I'll tell you what they were after. They were after your vision. That's what they were after. They were trying to get your vision. Because if they knew if they could get your vision, you were defeated.
you would give in to them because all of a sudden you lost your vision. He said they were trying, number one, to get the Father's house and take it away from you, that whole vision. They were trying, they were fighting you. You were in a battle for that vision. And not only that vision, they were trying to get your vision, period, and take your ability to see what does God have for my life. Where is God now? They were trying to take it away from you. And if they could able to take it away from you, you would not be able to see what the Father was doing. Therefore, you couldn't do nothing, and you'd be defeated. And he said to me, this is what he said to me, remember Samson. This is what he said to me, remember Samson. Here's Samson from Judges. You know who Samson is. He was a great bodybuilder, right? Wrong. He was probably about built by like uh, David Helton. You know, David's a slim guy. You wouldn't think a slim guy could kill a thousand people at one time, just pick up a bone and beat them to death. You, you always thought Samson was big man. He was probably just a little old scrawny guy, you know. But here's Sam. This is the way it starts with Samson. I'm a little bit. Give me a couple more minutes because I want you to get this because this is what God wants to do for people. Sam, Samson's mom and daddy were. The mama was bare, and the angel shows up, okay, and visits her. And tells her, you're going to have a baby. And she's bad. She can't have babies. And this baby is going to be a Nazarite. And he tells them his whole, the angel reveals the whole destiny. Well, she's a wise woman. She says, because the husband's stupid. He needs to see you. So would you please come back when my husband's around? So the angel did, does. Comes back. There's the husband. He sees the angel. They realize this is an angel. They do all this stuff. Make a sacrifice. It's a great day. She gets pregnant and has this baby like the angel told her. The baby is to be a judge in Israel. He's a Nazarite. He's a man of God who God particularly anoints with the ability to beat people up. <laughs> that was his anointing. <laughs> Go beat up the enemies. But guess what Samson did? You see, somehow in Samson, he, did, he got messed up in the realm of his vision. Okay? In the realm of his sight. Number one, the vision that God had for him to be a Nazarite, to be separated unto the Lord. He got messed up in that because he began to look at women. Now, this is just an example. It doesn't matter what that is. Put your thing on it. It could be a TV, whatever it is. He began to look at something he was not supposed to be looking at. Okay? In the end, the very thing that he started focusing on, looking at these girls, it was different ones. And they were all causing him trouble. But what happened was Samson began to lose his ability to see spiritually and see what God was doing. And he began to lose his destiny, his anointing. And ultimately, he lost... He, God had departed... It says God had departed from Samson and he did not even know it because he couldn't see anymore. And it says... Let me read that. Y'all got it up there. This is at the end. This is right down, getting down to the end. After he'd done all this other crazy stuff with these women, looking at these women, going after something he shouldn't have been going after, putting his eyes on something he shouldn't have been putting his eyes on, and losing his ability to see spiritually, and not even knowing it, because the enemy was robbing the people of God, because they were robbing Samson of his, his spiritual eyes to fulfill his calling as a judge, because he was chasing women. And it said the Philistines... This is the one who tricked him, Delilah, whatever her name was. You know, did all that stuff, trying to find out where his strength was. And then finally she did. You know, he was a Nazarite, cut his hair. The Philistines are on you, Samson. He woke up thinking, I'll go out like always and shake free 
like always. He did not realize that God had abandoned him. He didn't realize it. He lost something he didn't know he had lost. That's what's happening with a lot of Christians. We lose things. We don't, we, don't, we don't lose it in a moment. He didn't lose it in one day. He lost it over a period of time and did not know it. Didn't know that God had abandoned him. And uh, go ahead. We got any more on that? Yeah. The Philistines grabbed him. Now remember, the Philistines are, in the, are like the flesh in the Bible. That's what they represent. Carnal, nasty flesh. The, that was white. <laughs> That's all right. The Philistines grabbed him. What was the first thing they did to him? They gouged his natural eyes out. He was a blind man, naturally, reflecting what had really gone on with him spiritually. First thing they did. Gouged that man's eyes. That's what the Lord was trying to get me to see. They're going to take, these, these demons are trying to blind you, Byron, spiritually. They're trying to blind you to keep you from bearing your sin. They're trying to steal your vision. And then they took him to Gaza, which means stronghold. That's what the word Gaza means. They took him into their stronghold. He became the devil's slave. That's what happened to Samson. He was the devil's slave. Here he was, a great man, powerfully anointed, powerfully meant to be used by God. Now he's in chains, grinding grain in their prison, blind. And that's really what the Lord was saying to me. That's what those demons were, ultimately. They were trying to get your vision. They were trying to steal your ability. And they were going to capture you. They were going to put you in bondage. That's what they were sent for. And that's what happens with a lot of Christians. Because when we can't see what the Father's doing, we're hamstrung. And see, a lot of people sitting in this room this morning, you are losing your vision. You don't even know it. Because you are putting your eyes on something that's not meant to be. And it don't have to be a negative thing. It can be something that just God doesn't want you to. But the good news is this. I don't have this wrote down, but this is good news. Revelation 3.18. Jesus said this. He's talking to the lukewarm Christian. By the way, uh, <clears throat> maybe I'll talk about that later. It's what we're interesting about the lukewarm Christian. I've had this discussion with a friend of mine about it a while back. Basically, what he said was, listen, lukewarm, being lukewarm is the natural state. I said, man, that is not right. No, he said, no, it is. It's, it's, it's the natural state. It's the natural state. And God is saying, no, you cannot be lukewarm as Christians. You can't just be natural. You can't be just like everything around you. If you were like everything around you, you're lukewarm. I thought, man, the more I thought about it, the more I believe he's right. It's, God doesn't want us to be like everything around us. He wants us to be on fire. He wants us to be passionate for Him. He would rather you be an old, cold, miserable, dead Christian so He at least get a hold of it because people who are like everybody else around Him, they, God can't speak to them. They can't hear Him. They think they're okay. They're deceived. But this is what Jesus said. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. That's something else. White garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. Listen, this is what God wants to release to people right now. I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I salve. God has an eye salve that He wants to place on His people's eyes so that they can begin to see what the Father is doing. And they can begin to, get, begin to see, have a vision for their life again. And a vision for what God's called them to do with their life instead of 
whatever they were looking at, whatever they would gotten into, or whatever you were seeing. If all you see is what you see here, you're missing something big. Are y'all getting this? God wants to release the heavenly eyesight of the people, and when He does, you begin to see what He wants you to see, and your life can change. And that was the thing that you was so alluring to you, okay? You realize, oh my gosh, that's doo-doo! I was being attracted to eat doo-doo. Seriously. A lot of Christians are eating doo-doo. The devil's got them thinking it's a day on T-bone steak. But it's a trick. It's a bad trick. We don't realize we need God's eyesight that He meant for us to have in the relationships we have, in our job situation, in the people out there in the world dealing with them. We need to see what He sees in people. When somebody's acting stupid, to be able to see, oh, God thinks that person's not stupid. He loves, He adores how that person's acting instead of hating them and criticizing them. God really wants to release His eye salve into this room right now. I'm convinced of it. He wants to restore your spiritual vision to you. That's how the next wave of revival comes. You see what the Father's doing. Oh, the next wave is, oh, that's what the Father's doing. We'll do that. We're happy with that. Amen, Matthew. <laughs> I think it's wild. Um this morning, when by, I just had no idea, but this morning I just want to say this, just a little example to help you. Um, you know, when we're when we have a little issues with our natural dads, it causes this barrier to be between us and our heavenly Father in that relationship, because somewhere we're believing a lie because of what we believe about our own fathers. We believe it about Him, so it creates a barrier. So that hinders the relationship of flowing, knowing, and vision for our lives. And so I just want to say that to you, that God wants to get into your heart of those places with your own daddy where their lives built from things that were done or said to you by your own father. He really wants to do that. And um, this morning, the Lord revealed to me a place. I, I really can't believe it because I was in my time with the Lord. I was having a memory, and I just I'm saying this to help you, okay? Because we don't see this is what it is when you have a lie there that you're believing about your father based on something your dad did to you. There's ground. It's a, there's a lie there, and there's ground for the enemy, okay? He, he takes up, he'll occupy that place because there's ground for it because you're believing a lie. He's the father of lies. And once there's a lie established in your heart, in your mind, strongholds are built up. So that's what I'm trying to let you see, that what all Byron's saying is we have to get that ground removed so there's a, 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 a vacuum opened up. You know what I mean? Or a, a path opened up to the Father. So this morning, I had a memory. And this was the memory... And when I was in the 8th grade, I bought my dad a, a birthday present. We were gospel singers, been singing since I was a little girl. It was his vision for his life. He loved it. He went to his grave singing. Um, it wasn't so much my vision and my sisters. We sang when we were growing up. We were teenagers growing up, losing interest. Okay? It was my dad's passion. I bought him a birthday present, gave it to him. But right before I gave it to him, I told my mom, this was a day, about a day before, that I didn't want to sing anymore kind of getting tired of it 
And when I handed that gift to my dad, he had heard that from my mom, and he handed it back to me and said, he said, you don't want to sing anymore? I said, no, I don't want to sing anymore. He said, I don't want it. Gosh, it crushed me. I mean, my dad was a good dad. I'm not trying to be down on him, but I'm trying to help you see these little things. So what that did to me is I went to my room. I was bawling on my bed, and so this lie entered into my mind and my heart that in order for me, my dad to love me and to be to uh, you know to accept me and to be happy with me, I had to sing and do what his vision was. Do you see what I'm saying for his life? And it was terrible. It was just a moment. But thank the Lord, didn't take long. Okay, my dad came in the room and was he was bawling and crying and carrying on. We're so sorry. But but see there was something underlying. I was realizing that a lot of my life I was trying to please my dad through serving his vision for his life, not so much for mine. And so I just say that there's ground that God wants to that God wants to remove in your life where you're believing lies about your father. So that we can really go and do the work. The vision, there, the vision gets really damped down when we're believing stuff like that. So I just wanted to give you a practical thing there. So, well, let's just let the Lord release that ISAF right now and just break off, break off whatever. Um, I mean, I can really relate to what Byron is saying about those demons coming to steal his vision. How many people have had that happen? <laughs> you know it when it's happening. But it's so irresistible sometimes. It doesn't have to be anything real like that we would deem, you know, real bad. Or necessarily real perverted. or something. And that's what we always think. I mean, it could be. But it can just be the natural inclinations of our heart towards something that's away from the Lord. And His best. You know, so I just feel like right now, just where we're at, just where we're sitting, just want to ask the Holy Spirit and the Father to place that ISAF on our eyes, to release His anointing upon us, that at His name, every demonic stronghold, every demonic oppression must flee. And then we will be released and anointed and empowered to do what the Father is doing. To do the things that Jesus did and even greater things He said that we would do. So let's just pray right now. If you want to, just put your hands on your eyes. Just as a physical response, Lord. God, we just ask You, Father, to release the salve upon our eyes right now. Lord, we, we repent today, God, of the, things that, the thing that we've set higher than Your vision for our lives. Lord, even of the pain, Lord, we ask You to take that away from like an example like what Becky said from our past, Lord. And God, we renounce that lie in the name of Jesus. We renounce that false belief in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask You, to just rub that salve, that healing ointment, that healing anointing upon each and every person, Lord, that's asking today, that's believing today, that's renouncing, that's repenting this morning, Lord. 
Just come, Lord, and release that. Release that anointing. Release that salve, Lord, upon our eyes. Open our eyes that we might see, Lord. Enjoying you and the calling on our individual lives, the destiny that you placed upon us. Restore the vision to those who have lost vision. It's never too late, Lord. Even years and years ago, Lord. I know there's those who kind of got discouraged and walked away from that vision by giving in, Lord, to that oppression. And right now, Lord, restore it. Let that vision even begin to spring back up in their hearts, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. this morning. We'll be up here to pray for you. Anybody that's sick or in need or any other reason, um, just want to let you know that as you're dismissed today. I confess my